0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I want to do something a little bit different at the top of the podcast today, as we? Get the new week underway, and that is instead of introducing everything, and instead of getting way off topic, I want to just fire it up with something that got me into rant mode over the weekend, but couldn't really do, because the only tools I had at my disposal were Twitter and a weekend audience, which is generally diminished and, frankly, you know, what rants on Twitter, they tend to fall on deaf ears, and usually if they don't, they come off the wrong way. So I'm opening up this new week of shows here on Fantasy NBA Today, so I slipped in the name there, with a rant. And the rant is on Kawhi Leonard. And it's not about the fact that he has load management days, and it's not about how that's presented to the NBA, and it's not about the people yelling and screaming on both sides, the defend Kawhi's side and the he's wimpy side and it's none of that it's how the fantasy community leaps to different conclusions and how we have to try to read the tea leaves and give folks the best possible advice and also how this translates to who you actually pay attention to in the fantasy community I'm going to do this rant without mentioning any names at all because this is not about any one person or any one place this is about the idea, the, the sort of conceptual notion that everybody has the same information, and it's just not true. Kawhi Leonard sat out the second half of a back-to-back in the middle of last week. It was a very low-impact week for the Clippers. He played in the first game of the back-to-back, sat out the second one, and then was a game-time decision for the Clippers' home contest on Saturday against the Hawks. And obviously, we'll cover that as we get into the reverse chronological lightning round portion of the proceedings. He ended up sitting that one out. When, he, when the world, we, Fantasy Landscape, heard that he was not playing on Saturday, the range of reactions stretched from the non to the set-the-camp-on-fire-leap-off-a-bridge. And this is why we don't all have the same information. And this is what, well, we do. We have the same information, but we how we interpret it, interpret it is very different. And what comes of that is very different. It leads down so many different pathways. My rant is this. Whatever site you read, obviously the one that upset me the most was this site that put out a note on Kawhi Leonard that said, you know, he's he's not making it to 60 games. He was the riskiest pick in all of fantasy sports, which I, I don't think is definitely is true at all because last year he played in 60 games and had top 20 value. So it's hard to say that's the riskiest pick in fantasy sports is a guy who was coming off a top 20 value season. But regardless, to go from might miss a second game to basically this guy's missing at least 22 games, if you're lucky, was a pretty big existential jump, wasn't it? I mean, they weren't saying that he's, like, done for a half century. They were saying he's out for a game. And that's not great. You know, obviously that's not great. I, I said it myself as I was discussing the situation on Twitter. I was slightly concerned. You know, the fact that he had the back-to-back off and there was still some pain was disconcerting. There was also a site that basically just said, hey, let's just hope this was them buying him an extra day or two of rest because they were playing the Hawks who have literally one reasonable player on their team right now, Trey Young, and surrounded by a cast of who knows who's. Maybe that was it. That feels like maybe we're underplaying it a tiny bit. You know, maybe it was, but obviously there was still some pain in there. The reality lies at a midpoint that we have to determine and read between the lines, because generally... What different places say about a guy is a reflection of how they feel or even felt about that particular player prior to the season. Because everybody has something riding on it. A site that says, this is probably nothing, is probably a site that's very high on Kawhi. A site that says, this is the end of the damn universe. Book your trip to another dimension because this is ending horribly is probably a site that was super low on him and wants this to be the end of days. Reading between the lines is one of the most annoying things in fantasy sports, and you are all subjected to it on a daily basis, no matter what you're looking at. Our goal here on Fantasy NBA Today is to be as transparent as humanly possible. If I get something right, I'm going to talk about it. If I get something wrong, I'm going to talk about it. It's all about trying to figure out the right time to do things The right time to be patient, the right time to be aggressive. What's a buy low? What's a sell or what's a a sell high? What's the opposite? Is something a big deal or isn't it a big deal? And so, for something like this, and now I'll just jump right into it, this is what I would call mildly disconcerting. It's not nothing and it's not everything. It's in between and it's okay. That it's in between. The right assessment. Listen, I want Kawhi to succeed. I have him in a number of places. So I really hope that this is basically nothing. But I am more than willing to admit that this is not nothing. This is an extra day in addition to his load management for the same injury that his load management is supposed to deal with. It's not nothing. But if, as Doc Rivers already indicated, he's expected to play tonight, he's expecting to see Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the floor at the same time, if that's the case, and it really was just one additional game off, that makes it not that big of a deal. That makes it not a zero deal, and not a huge deal. Such is the case with so many things in fantasy sports. The rant really is just this, that you guys have to be forced... To try to read between the lines on everything. What does a place or what does the landscape want you to think? What about if you were just reading Clippers blogs about this stuff? I can guarantee you that they want you to think it's nothing. I mean, there's always, there's always an ulterior motive and that drives me crazy. So I hope you guys didn't do anything nuts over the weekend. And you just sat on it and waited. The thing about basketball is that because most of us are in daily leagues, I'd say, I'd say probably more than half, right? That's a fair assessment. A lot of us are in daily leagues. When a guy misses a game, it's a huge deal. When a guy misses a second game, it's a huge deal. We're talking about basically the equivalent of like half a week if you sort of pull back and take the broad view. He missed Wednesday, which we knew was going to happen. We got told he was a game-time decision for Saturday on Thursday, Friday. So we're talking about Friday to today, probably. Thursday to today at the absolute longest. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Four days. Four days is what we're talking about here. That's not much. Feels like forever, though, doesn't it? Feels like a long time. And with that, I say welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everyone. I am Dan Bespris, filled with the piss and vinegar of a thousand suns as we start off a new week here on the show. Uh, this is a hoop ball presentation, also brought to you by our buddies at Hawaiian Isles, Kona Coffee. H I Kona Coffee on Twitter, Hawaiianisles.com. Hoop-ball.com is the website. Check them out right now. Hey, bruise letter coming out first thing this morning. I'm dropping this podcast in the middle of the night so that some of you who listen to it at like. 4 a.m. or whatever time it is, wherever you may be, can still race over to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter and sign up before the morning newsletter goes out. Don't miss another one. Aaron Bruski, our founder, the man himself, the big dog, El Arquitecto, nickname we uh, bestowed upon him as the architect, architect here at Hoopball, El Arquitecto, he's putting out a weekly newsletter on all 30 teams in the NBA. It's like the old Brewski Breakdowns. You guys might remember those. So, And it's free, by the way. Email newsletter is free. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Get on it right now. Don't miss it. It's great. It's fantastic. It's great reading. It's like the best toilet reading of all time. Legitimately. And I've read a lot of stuff on the toilet. Reverse chronological lightning round is what is on the docket for those uninitiated, and I hope there are a few of you because it's nice to get a few uh, fresh faces in the tank these days. Uh, we go through the box scores of the weekend and kind of connect Friday's show to today's show. That's the real—that's the overarching thing here. We've got Friday's show where we previewed the entire weekend. We looked at all the games coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Said, "Here's what we're watching to see what happens," and now we look back at all of those games and connect the weekend to the week and reset ourselves for uh, another few days of analyzing. And by the way, I will start by saying this, and it's the ultimate downplay here of the rest of the podcast, is as the weekend goes, there were not a whole lot of big changes. We're in one of those pockets. You get the pockets of big changes, you get the pockets of big injuries, and then you get the pockets of general lulls we got a couple of little things worth talking about. No question, there's always something. But in general, we have a strong idea of what to expect from probably about 80% of the NBA right now. That's a lot more than we had the first few weeks of the season. Week 5, man. Can you believe it? We're into Week 5 now. Right, let's dive right in. Philly at Cleveland. This was a pretty predictable game. Cleveland almost beat Philadelphia the last time they played just a... a A couple of days ago, actually. And so you knew the Sixers were going to come in and say, "Uh uh-uh, we're not messing around this time. And it was Tobias Harris who had himself a whopper of a ball game. Horford was good. Simmons was fine. Didn't take any free throws, so that's good. Furkan Korkmaz played well. And Joel Embiid uh, was not needed. For the Cavaliers, Larry uh, Nance Jr. hurt his thumb earlier this weekend and was out for this one. So that just meant even more Tristan Thompson. That's great. Jordan Clarkson was better, although he's been fading. And as we sort of thought, I mean, at the beginning of the year, he was making a case to actually be a nine cat guy. And I kept saying, you know, I I was saying, all right, I guess we can, I guess we can go with this. I mean, he was, he was convincing me. And then he's turned back into the one we always knew he was. So he's, he's very fringy. We talk about 10th man type guys on your team. He's really more of like an 11th man. If your 10th man and maybe even your 11th man were hurt, he's the guy you plug into that lunacy. And then otherwise, there just isn't a whole lot worth talking about on the Cavaliers. They just uh, Kevin Love, obviously, he was missed a little bit of time in this ball game with a knee thing. He's been good, but obviously there's a lot of risk associated there. And uh, you see what you can get? Not after this one. Wait until he goes big again. Sacramento got a game winner. Boston had their game winner tumble ever so gently off the front of the rim heartbreak. Daniel Tice looks like the center to own in Boston, believe it or not. He had 14 and 10 with an assist. No defensive stats, but his field goal percent is always going to be very good. And that by itself is sometimes enough to get the job done. Was wondering if he might just grab that job from Cantor, and it looks like he has. Interesting little footnote on all of this stuff. We, uh, I wouldn't recommend. I mean, I, I would say you could throw him on some teams where necessary. It's looking like he's won the job. Cantor played 19 minutes. Robert Williams only six. And then this was just an ugly one. They didn't play well. Sacramento, big one from Buddy Heald. They're playing over their heads right now with no De'Aaron Fox and no Marvin Bagley. That will always level off. The question is when. But they're playing better now after a really slow start to the year. And, uh, you know, there's the ebb and flow of a long NBA season. Bogdan Bogdanovich, she obviously is worth using right now with Fox out. Bialica worth using Obviously, as we've talked about before with Marvin Bagley out and then uh, Harrison Barnes is floating along at the end of the, the rope and Rashawn Holmes is good as well. Corey Joseph is playing big minutes and doing nothing. That's... I don't think I need to repeat my line on Bogdanovich, but I will. I don't like his game, but with Fox out, he is absolutely positively a must-own, must-start guy. Washington made a game of it with Orlando. They were getting beat to hell and then came back and uh, made it interesting. Lost 125-121. Bradley Beal, big one. His by-low window is dunzo. Davis Bertans played better in this, and obviously he's going to run a bit hot and cold. C.J. Miles at six three-pointers. Isaiah Thomas was not great, but he did play 29 minutes, and that's frankly all I need to know with him, so I'll keep trotting him out there. Mo Wagner's been getting a lot of attention as kind of a higher usage backup center. But as long as he's stuck behind Thomas Bryant, I can't fully recommend the ad on him. If he ever got the starting gig and was playing 25 to you know 29 minutes, that's a very different bird than pushing hard to get to 20. Rui Hachimura's fantasy game still pretty whack. I think Davis Bertans does belong on a team. He's uh, he's in that 10th man mold as well. He's probably owned in most of your leagues anyway. But if not. You know, glance around, see what's up. There's very much a uh, specialty aspect to his game, (laughs) right? We can safely say that about him. He's shooting three-pointers and and generally not a whole lot else. Got a couple of steals and some rebs in this one, though. Orlando side, Evan Fournier had a big one. Terrence Ross looks like he's ready to roll these days. Made his free throws, got some steals. Only hit one three-pointer. Could have shot the ball better. Markel Fultz finally outplayed DJ Augustine, but their minutes were basically split right down the pipe. That becomes, just because he had one good game, it's not really changing the way I view the kid. I like the fact that he's playing better. I like the fact that Orlando is finally starting to show some signs of life, particularly on the offensive end, where they've scored 112, 111, and 125 in their last three wins. But for Fultz, he's still way on the outside looking in on the fantasy stuff. And they like DJ Augustine. He's not going to just disappear. But Ross, to me, is a very safe 10th man right now. He's he's played his way into health. He's not the guy that started the year by being fairly useless. And he's... he's I mean, he's a little bit of a specialist, you know? It, it steals and threes for the most part. But it will get you a few points. And there aren't that many guys you can get at that point now, a pickup... That could really sit around 15 points a game, which is kind of treads water in a category where most of the guys you're looking at on the wire are scoring 9 or 10. So I'm good with it. 10th man. 10th man, Terrence Ross. Denver got their huge one from Jamal Murray. This was a long time coming. He had been playing pretty poorly so far this year. Was actually ranked 95 coming into this ball game. But this one was a fat wake-up. Was shooting 42% from the field. This will push that number up a little bit. Just a lot of good stuff. He had a block. He had three steals, eight assists, seven three pointers. Huge game. Um, you guys know I'm not a huge fan of Jamal Murray's fantasy game, but I mean you got to give props on a massive line like this one. This is a this is a bit of a sell high moment for him. That line. I think people are going to be remembering this game as opposed to the fact that he was ch- you know chilling around the 100 mark prior to it. But maybe you wait and see if this is the wake-up. Maybe there's a few fat ones in a row coming up for him. I honestly don't know. Because I'm not huge into him, I don't think I have the best feel for how the landscape feels about him. I'm fairly certain the landscape is much happier with him than I am, so you could probably get something pretty good. Paul Millsap was good. He's continued to be. Uh, Nikola Jokic was not. He continues to be a massive letdown this year. We are getting now... I know we talked about the buy low opportunity on Jokic. I got to say, I thought by now he'd be showing better signs of life. Like his numbers are just way down. I know he's got the two triple doubles, but they're like, who cares at this point? Uh, Shooting percentage is way down. Free throw percent down. Scoring way down. Rebounding down. Assists down. It's all gross, man. And every time I look up and think, man, we're low opportunity here. It might actually be getting better because the longer that he plays in this sort of let-my-other-guys-do-it mode, the cheaper he will come to you. We know Jokic well enough to know that when he gets it rolling, it's a beautiful thing. So maybe you just keep waiting and see if the price keeps dropping. We're getting to a point now where you could just start having him. For an overperforming second rounder. Okay, then. Anyway, they smoked Memphis, so the Grizzly side, the numbers were all jacked up. Uh, Jaron Jackson hit five three pointers, but no defensive stats. Uh, JV had a double double and some decent percentages, so he kind of survived the fracas. And Brandon Clark was okay. Jay Crowder is an interesting footnote in our fantasy discussions these days. He probably fits the mold as a 10th man because he is wildly inconsistent at this point, Uh, but he is just average-y enough to where he should probably be on a roster. You know, he's number 122 on the season, but over the last couple of weeks, he's actually at number 75 because his shooting percentage has improved from 38 or 36 to start the year, and now he's up to 38 because it's been a little better lately. He's just doing you know he's like Danny Green now where uh when there were more opportunities for him cuz he's getting steals there's a couple of blocks blended in he's actually getting some assists as just the always on the court veteran guy he's actually we don't do this very often but he might be a mid-season D-bombs addition because he is he fits the absolute definition. Remember last year on this show? we Well, that's actually a lot of you that probably didn't hear this. So last year on this podcast, we talked about what I called the, uh, I think I called it the Marvin Thad line, which basically dictated that almost any low-usage-do-whatever kind of guys can actually get into decent fantasy value if they're just on the court for 30 minutes. That's the line. It's not for everybody. There are some guys that can play 30 minutes and still do nothing. But there are a lot of guys out there where it's just like, you know, they're just sort of coasting from a fantasy perspective. They're low usage. They're not taking many shots. But they're going to get a couple of rebounds because they're out there. And they're going to get a couple of assists because they'd rather let the other guys shoot. And they're going to get a couple steals because they're out there and they're, you know, they know how the game works and they can jump some passing lanes. And Crowder kind of fits that mold now. He's moving into the Marvin Williams territory. Just get out there. Don't turn the ball over and exist for 30 minutes a night. And we'll talk about top 90 potential. So I think I'm adding him. I think he moves up towards the upper end of the 10th man discussion. Like 10th man with 9th man upside. Which is, again, not super interesting. But that's the part of the year that we're in right now. And we just have to sort of accept that. Dylan Brooks uh, wet his pants in this one. I, I had him in a few lineups too. So that was a tough one to swallow. I do think he'll be better in the next one. A lot of guys are getting swallowed up by the Denver Nuggets defense these days. Uh, Golden State and New Orleans. These are actually two of the teams that I wanted to talk about a little more on this show, so we'll, uh, we'll eat up a few minutes here, but I do think it's worth it. For the Warriors, D'Angelo Russell, hashtag thumb stuff, if you've been listening to our uh, Real Big 3 podcast with uh, Jonas Nader and Scott Bogman, hurt his thumb, and so he's out for a couple of weeks now, and so we're back to the whole who the hell's going to do stuff for the Warriors. Game one, without anybody... Well, Draymond Green actually played in this, but played is a loose interpretation of what happened, was uh, Eric Pascal. He was the man who leapt back into the I'm going to do a whole bunch of scoring stuff. Kai Bowman looked pretty good. Glenn Robinson looked pretty good. Willie Cauley-Stein looked okay. But also we need to remember this was against the Pelicans who don't play a whole lot of defense. Alec Burks shot the ball horrendously. And as we know, he doesn't do a ton Besides, just take shots when he's on the floor. And herein lies the issue for me. Our job as analysts is to try to find the guy that can give you some measure of consistency. And it's just not clear that that guy exists on this team. Alec Burks and Eric Pascal feel like the safest bets because they're going to go out there and they're going to take shots. We know that's the case. Those two dudes are not going to get shy about throwing it towards the rim. The guy that I want to see succeed is Kai Bowman. But he's also the guy that's going to probably have his job taken back when D'Angelo Russell returns. He didn't start this game, by the way. He was not technically the starting replacement. It was Burks. There just wasn't really a point guard on the floor for the dubs. Burks? It was Draymond Green was officially the listed point guard in this ballgame. But for most of the contest, 28 minutes that he played, Bowman was the point guard. He has the most interesting fantasy profile of these guys because he could get you some assists in addition to the other stuff. Pascal's generally going to be scoring at a good free-throw percent, not much defensively. Glenn Robinson is going to be the the Jay Crowder of the bunch, just be out there a lot, and you hope that something happens to him. And then Burks is going to do more scoring as well. Most of these guys don't have particularly great fantasy profiles, I know that I'm going to say something that's going to be a little bit controversial. I'm not picking up any of them. I'm not going to tell anybody not to. I mean, if you have the confidence to pick up Eric Pascal and say, I think this guy's going to be good every game going forward, then I say go for it. But to me, it feels like it's almost just as likely that he doesn't that Alec Burks has the big game, and then they flip-flop, and then Bowman has a good one, and then Willie Colley's done, and then Draymond, and then everybody just stinks because, you know, they're just not very good right now. And so for me, my issue is the same one I've been having, which is I don't know that any of these guys isn't trustworthy enough on a night-to-night basis in in a games cap format. You just hope that it averages out to the right point. Safest bet, probably Burks. At least he's a veteran. Second safest bet, probably Pascal. Well, Willie Colley-Stein is probably your safest bet. Third safest, probably Glenn Robinson. Fourth would be Bowman. But again, I'm mostly looking elsewhere. I don't like anything about this bunch. Now, New Orleans, equally banged up. I just had nobody left. Derek Favors out, Brandon Ingram out, Josh Art out, Lonzo Ball out. Basically, everybody that used to play for the Lakers is gone. Uh, So this one, starting lineup was Drew Holiday, cool. J.J. Redick, excellent. I mean, he's going... He's roasting people now that he's got shots coming his way. Jackson Hayes, who played nicely in a starting center job. Kendrick Williams, old Kenny Hustle, and then E.Tuan Moore, who is still a Pelican. I feel like he's been there for ages and just... I don't know what's going on there. (laughs) Oh, Etuan. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker played well off the bench. So did Niccolò Melli in a high-scoring affair. Uh, Any one of these guys could be back in their next ballgame. So make of that what you will, I guess. Uh, I'm hoping Derek Favors is back shortly. He looked like he was really getting himself locked in before the back spasms. That's a real pisser. Makes you wonder if that was a result of playing through the other injury. I don't know, but he's definitely a hold for me. I'm not picking up Jackson Hayes unless we hear something worse about Favors. I know someone else probably will, but I'd say there's like a 90% chance he ends up back on waiver wires. Kendrick Williams, also a guy I'm not picking up. I'm going to ride with Reddick until he has a bad ball game which could happen as people come back. You know, if Ingram comes back and takes 18 shots, that's a lot of that's going to come out of Reddick's bucket. Uh, For JJ, a lot of the good stuff he does is coming off of screens, guys sort of waiting for him to do stuff, and then with Ingram, there's a lot of ISO going on. Uh, Lonzo Ball's return scares me less on the Reddick front. Josh Hart's return frightens me a little bit because they do share the position, and so the minutes would come out, but really, uh, you know, he just needs to be taking shots And as long as Ingram is out, everybody's getting shots. So, Reddick is just, I mean, he's pouring in three-pointers right now. And every place that I dropped him, I feel silly. And in the few places I was willing to hang on, I feel a lot better about it. Uh, For Atlanta, I mean, things just keep getting worse. You know, Kevin Herter is out for a few weeks now. There's just, that's a mess. Damian Jones was the guy I was sort of keeping a half eye on, on this team. And... He had been playing relatively well, but there aren't enough minutes for him on a night-to-night basis. We don't know what's going to happen when John Collins comes back. I'm not convinced that all of his minutes are going to come at the expense. Collins' minutes, I should say, at the expense of Damian Jones. You know, Jabari Parker's going to lose a bunch of playing time. If Jones can play his way into a role at the center spot, there is something there. But I don't know about picking it up and hanging on unless you've got... That's a serious luxury stash opportunity. For a guy that's barely on the edge of value, even as it is. Saturday, Brooklyn one seventeen, Chicago one eleven. We're going back to the previous day. Brooklyn's a pain in the ass, man. No Kyrie Irving in this ball game, so Joe Harris got to take a bunch of shots, and that was good for them. Jared Allen played well. Dinwiddie was uh, good from the free throw line. Everything else was fa. DeAndre Jordan had four blocks. Very hit or miss. And then Torian Prince was kind of the one regular that didn't have a great ball game. Uh, Which is funny because he and Joe Harris are generally the regulars that I do trust beyond Kyrie. And then Jared Allen would fall kind of in the the category behind those guys. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is way over-owned in fantasy sports. He's actually been okay intermittently. But... uh, yeah, he's not he's not my favorite. And then on a night-to-night basis, things get sort of goofball. You know, Jared Allen misses a game where he plays a big center. Those are the ones where you can dump him in there and feel pretty good about it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he belongs on a roster, I guess. Ugh. It's fine. It's tough to. Fine. Okay. Well, see. he belongs on a roster. I'll give him that. He belongs on a roster. Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't even know if he belongs on a roster. So DeAndre's got the edge there. Dinwiddie is around 150. DeAndre's around number 100. They're sort of hanging out uh, pretty far from one another. For Chicago, I mean, this they got it. they need a big change of scenery there. They need a new coach. They need it, all sorts of stuff. They have the personnel to win ball games, and they're not. That's embarrassing. Uh, Kobe White cooled off pretty significantly after a few big ones. He also fouled out in 29 minutes. He's going to get the minutes, but his fantasy game still has some serious holes in it. Efficiency wise, turnover wise, the nine-cat thing is maybe not his friend yet. As I mentioned late last week, I'm I'm gonna let somebody else ride that series of waves with him. It will not be me. I prefer Tomas Sadaransky. I like his all-around game when he's actually shooting the ball. He can be incredibly effective nine-cat guy. Markinen was a little bit better. Wendell Carter Jr. was solid. Zach Levine had 36. So otherwise, you know, from a fantasy perspective, it was a pretty predictable ball game. But Yeah, they got to find a way to win. Milwaukee 102, Indy 83. Eric Bledsoe cooled off after some huge ones. He had like five or six big ones in a row, uh, but they just didn't need it. Brooke Lopez got back on the horse here. The nice story in this ballgame was actually, well, number one, we were watching to see if anybody would pick up the pieces for the injured Chris Middleton. The answer in a blowout win was not really. Sterling Brown, 10-6-4. Eh, you know, sort of. Dante DiVincenzo. 14-4 and with a couple of steals. Meh. Nah, neither one of those things is moving it for me. Uh, Miles Turner came back for Indiana at 16-11 with a steal and four blocks. That's a big fantasy boat to get back in your lineup. Cool. Aaron Holiday should have a few more games of solid value as long as Malcolm Brogdon is out. So I think there's plenty of opportunities to stream a guy like that. Right? Like that, you know, just use it while you can dump a strong game into your lineup dump two or three strong ones in there he's he's gonna get you solid numbers steals threes assists there is opportunity up for grabs he might hurt you in field goal percent a little bit but you know if you, particularly if you have a team where you can withstand that that makes a lot of sense actually to throw that dude into a lineup and just cash in for you know one or two games or whatever it turns out to be Charlotte beat New York on the road. I think we need to have a discussion about Miles Bridges. Because he's been horrendous. He's been flat out horrendous this year. And I don't know that I have a great explanation for it. For one, I will say I got lucky. I got lucky. We'll take a little luck. I liked Miles Bridges coming into this year but I liked him about a round or a round and a half later than he was going. I thought, you know, i gonna get this guy around like 85 to to 100 range. And he was going just in front of that. And so every time I thought, oh, I guess we're getting pretty close to where I would take Miles Bridges, someone scooped him up in front of me. So I got really lucky. It wasn't that I didn't like him. It was that I didn't like him enough. And so I have none of him. I have no Miles Bridges on my teams. But a lot of that was dumb luck. Looking at his numbers... We don't really have the portfolio to say what we should expect. He played 21 minutes a game, played 80 games last season, seven points, four boards, wasn't actively involved in most of the games, Point seven steals, point six blocks, and three pointers. So we all figured a starting role for Bridges this year came with about eight to nine more minutes, and hopefully an increase of—it's not going to be a 50% jump because per 36 is tend to scale back as you get closer to 36 minutes— but some kind of, I don't know, 30%, 30 to 40% jump instead of 50 What we've gotten instead is his turnovers have almost quadrupled season over season. His steals have evaporated to the point that he has three on the year, Blocks and points and assists are basically, and three pointers, are about the only things that increased at a rate that we thought made any sense at all. Rebounds went up by one. So there's something screwy going on here. And what it is, I'm not 100% positive. It might just be personnel around him. You know, we've actually seen his minutes trending down in their last two victories in favor of the old guys. Nick Batum in the most recent one. And we'll talk about him in a second. And Marvin Williams, who's actually been playing a tiny bit more. Not enough, by the way, to warrant any fantasy attention. You guys know how badly I wish that would be a thing, but it won't. Not this year. But the man who's getting hit with it is Miles Bridges. He's getting phased out for some reason. If you own him, if you have him in a league, I honestly can't tell you that you have to hang on. He's number 209. We talk about guys playing 30 minutes a game where it's not translating into anything. He's that guy. He's playing 31 minutes a night, and it's translating into nothing because his percentages are both pretty whack. Turnovers are too high for what he brings to the table. Free throws are very low. A couple of threes, I guess. That's fine. No steals. Very few blocks. It's just not there. I do believe that at some point this season, he'll start to figure it back out again. I just don't know when that is, and it's hard to sit on a guy. You could just treat him like he's injured if you don't have a ton of injuries already. If you do, then you have some really hard decisions to make. Otherwise, things mostly stayed the same here. Nick Batum had three points, nine boards, six assists, a steal, a block, and a three-pointer in 29 minutes of his return. He is likely to remain on waivers in your league. He's not particularly heavily owned in fantasy circles. I think we'll learn a lot more about him in their next ball game. And then we can make a call on it. But I do, I've got an eye on the dude. I've got an eye on him. Make no mistake, you should as well. Just in case he decides he wants to get involved. He didn't really in this one. Took four shots in almost 30 minutes. Which is a stark reminder of how little he cared to do anything last season either. But he was rebounding and he was passing. So that's something. Mitchell Robinson was good. Marcus Morris was serviceable. And everybody else was horrendous for the Knicks. Um, RJ Barrett did have 22 points, but didn't have any defensive stats. I swear Julius Randle, on a nightly basis, is just tanking fantasy teams. He might be the worst player to have right now. Because you have to start him on the chance he goes nuts. And he's been horrible actually attacking your team. In multiple categories, every time out. Field goal percent, bad. Free throw, worse. Turnovers, horrendous. Steals and blocks, why bother? Worst pick in fantasy drafts right now. I have no idea how I ended up with him in one spot. That was my panic pick, and I've just, I was pissed right from the second it happened. And I was hoping, well, maybe it won't be so bad. And here we are. Well, James Harden beat Minnesota basically by himself. He had 49. I do like P.J. Tucker cruising along here. Miss you, uh, Daniel House. Hurry back. But I'm not picking up any of these other guys in the meantime. Uh, Unless we get horrible news on Clint Capella and then Isaiah Hartenstein. Isaiah H? I don't know if it's Steen or Stein, actually. Embarrassing for me right now. Uh, He had 16 boards. He's a guy to watch if Capella misses more time. But he took two shots in 31 minutes. That's rough. Jake Lehman is the guy on the Minnesota side you're keeping one eye on, but don't pick him up, guys. Andrew Wiggins was out. He took a lot of his minutes and a lot of his touches. We've seen sort of a lack of peripheral stats from Jake, and so that makes him a tough guy to own when everybody's healthy in Minnesota because he's going to need to do a lot more in the counting stuff to make up for the not-a-ton in the other stuff. So, watch list. We already talked about New Orleans, Miami. Bam Adebayo didn't miss free throws, and then things went really well for him. That's all we really want there. Jimmy Butler is engaged distributor mode. He's an assist monster these days. Played through an illness to have a big one. Uh, Kelly Olenek's been playing better lately. He deserves at least a look. Duncan Robinson filling in for Justice Winslow. Kendrick Nunn playing well. Tyler Hero played better, but that was because Goran Dragic was out. You know how I feel about those guys. Nunn is the cut above. Dragic and Harrow, to me, are both sort of just beyond the cut line. Uh, And then Olenek, he's probably on a bunch of fantasy teams, actually, but he's quietly become pretty relevant here over the last week, week and a half. So if he's not, I'm totally fine with you throwing him onto a team. In fact, over the last two weeks, he's number 80. That's pretty good. It's tough because he's off the bench, those minutes fluctuate heavily. But he does a little bit of everything, and that's that makes him a pretty easy guy to, to roster in fantasy. Toronto went into Dallas and just didn't have anything left at the end of a tough road trip. Norman Powell had 26, so he bounced back. But I'm going to issue the same edict here that I have in Golden State. I don't know that any of these backups are well-suited to playing the big starter minutes and producing every night. You trust Siakam, who had a terrible game, by the way, but obviously you trust him. Ananobi, Freddie Van Fleet, Marcus right now, while everybody is out, you probably have to trust him as well. But then with guys like Powell, Boucher, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Terrence Davis, there's a very real chance that they just kind of alternate, and so I want nothing to do with that if I'm using up a games cap. Rick Carlisle continuing to tinker with his starting lineups, took Dwight Powell out, He played only 14 minutes, which was a massive pisser. Maxi Kleba started and got 38 minutes. And it'll probably be a different starting lineup the next time out also. Seth Curry played 32 minutes as a starter. Jalen Brunson almost didn't play at all. DeLon Wright was super effective in only 19 minutes off the bench. And Dallas is becoming a little bit of a minor headache. I'd love it if Seth Curry got the starting job and got to chuck some shots up there. He's a very good shooter. But I'm also not believing it with how we've seen things bounce around. And look at his game log if you want reasons to not jump on a guy. But it's another watch list, dude. A lot of watch list guys this weekend. Portland signed Carmelo Anthony. And Rodney Hood, perhaps feeling the pressure, had 16-4-2 on 6 out of 8 shooting. He's a very good 10th man candidate. Whiteside was good. Dame was eh... Didn't shoot the ball well, but had a nice free throw thing. And then C.J. McCollum finally had a big ball game. Everybody else is off the radar. Lamarcus Aldridge had a big one with no Dejounte Murray for San Antonio. He was forced to rebound a little bit, and that was great for those of us who have him, and I do. Rudy Gay played better. Derek White had a nice line with no Murray. I mean, everything gets simpler when they eliminate one of their two point guards. But that will not be the case in the next ball game. So it's back to annoyance in San Antonio. Paul George had 37 points in 20 minutes in a Clippers 150-point win. Scored 150, won by 49 over the hapless Atlanta Hawks. And you can pretty much chuck the rest of this one into the fire. Fun, fun, fun. Who played on Friday that didn't play Saturday or Sunday? I think there was at least one or two teams. Detroit played on Friday. They had their full complement to guys. Blake Griffin, Derek Rose did some scoring and nothing else. They're bad, man. Luke Kennard lost all of his usage with the team healthy. Langston Galloway has been hot lately. He's scored in double figures now in like eight or nine consecutive ball games, And I still want nothing to do with him. He's, you know, he's making a case to be like a 12th man sort. There's just not enough, man. There aren't enough touches for Galloway to be taking 16 shots every game. That ain't going to happen most nights. We've already talked about Charlotte, so we can flip them into the burner. Uh, Let's see, who the hell else are we missing here from Friday as we rip our way through it? Utah, I think you can drop Joe Ingles. That hurts to say. We loved our smoking Joe, but the addition of Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich really pushed him off the, uh, the inner circle out there. Nice to see Rudy Gobert really get cooking, start to push back up towards where his value should be. Uh, I know already talked about Memphis, but this was a sort of a non-blowout. They actually won this game close, and, and look at Crowder's line, and that's the type of stuff that we're like, okay, just get him out there for 30 minutes. We'll take it. Oklahoma City played on Friday, didn't play over the weekend. Chris Paul looks great these days. He's taking on more of a scoring role for this team, which is not really what I wanted when I drafted him, but as he's worked his way up now, he's like number 27 over the last two weeks, so he looks like himself, and so that's cool. And Oklahoma City is finding ways to get close to 500 and as long as they remain in the mix that's good for us they're five and seven they're the nine seed right now that's good that's good for those of us that have players on that team that we want to keep playing Steven Adams doesn't look like himself I think he might be hurt not enough to get Nerlens Noel significant playing time but hurt enough to knock his stuff out so I know that Dennis Schroeder is a guy we like a lot here at Ball, but for 9-cat, he's been a tough own, man. i say it like it is a little bit. He's really more of an 8-cat guy. And I'm a 9-cat guy. I know a lot of you out there are 8-cat guys. The split is actually pretty heavily in favor of 9. If you look at sort of the general public, that's not maybe necessarily what we should use, uh, but that's what we talk about. So uh, he's, he's created a little bit of a rift between formats at the very least. And I think that takes care of all 30. I think that's the full reset. Turning the page to a busy Monday. We got nine games coming up tonight. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys to follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And let me know if you'd like to be a part of the Hoop Ball team. We continue to look for recruits among the sharpest of the fantasy minds, think you can write? Holler at me. Think you can podcast? That'd be cool. You'd actually get to work under me. Hit me up at Dan Vespers. Think you can do something else altogether? Something on the marketing side, the show, the social side. Something we're not thinking of at all. You want to put hoop ball on Instagram? I don't even know how the hell that would work. I said it, and as I was saying it, I was like, ah, Dan, you're too old to say this. Don't don't say something you don't understand. Hit me up, again, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And if you can't spell it, search for Dan from HoopBall on Google. My Twitter will pop up. And if you don't have Twitter, because we know there's at least a few of you that don't, send an email to Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. Teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. And we can reach back out to you that way as well. Hey, last chance before it comes out. Sign up for the Hoop Ball newsletter again. That's hoop-ball.com/newsletter. Don't forget. Let's look at Monday. Cleveland is at New York, a barn burner. That one's sure to be. Charlotte, Toronto Raptors favored by nine. Indian, Brooklyn, two teams still kind of trying to figure themselves out, but good to have Miles Turner back on the floor. Portland is in Houston, fun one. Rockets by six and a half. Milwaukee, seven-point road favorite at Chicago. San Antonio. Medium-sized underdogs at Dallas. Lines are catching on. Boston is at Phoenix. Upstart Suns and the slightly cooling Celtics. Maybe they'll start to miss Gordon Hayward here shortly. Minnesota, Utah, Northwest Division showdown. In Oklahoma City is in L.A. Where uh, Paul George will take on his old team. And possibly we'll see Kawhi Leonard as well. By the way and I don't know who's going to be playing in that game at this moment, and neither do the lines makers, so there's no line on that contest. If everybody's playing for the Clippers, I'm fading the crap out of them. It's hard to put a bunch of superstars together that haven't before. Fade. Fade. Fantasy perspective, uh, for the Clippers, you just sort of see who can hang on once they've got everybody together. San Antonio, we're always watching basically the guard minutes. Dallas, what are the rotations like? Does White Powell get back in there? I would assume he does, but who the hell knows? Does Seth Curry get another start? If he becomes the full-time starting shooting guard for that team, that'd be pretty sweet. I would add him in a heartbeat. Hard to find guys that can hit a bunch of threes without killing your field goal percent. Milwaukee, we're still waiting to find out who can pick up for Chris Middleton, if anyone. Portland, I believe we're seeing Mello tomorrow. Not in this one in Houston. Who plays for the Rockets? That's a big deal. Their health is the only question mark there. Uh, Toronto, again, we're sort of watching the backups. And then with New York, I mean, it's just a big middle finger to the fantasy community, but uh, we'll certainly keep a watch on it. In terms of homework, I think San Antonio-Dallas is probably the game that has the most stuff worth keeping an eye on. And then Oklahoma uh, City-LA Clippers is probably the one that'll be the most interesting ball game on the docket. Maybe Portland-Houston, but I'm more interested to see what the hell happens with Mellow. There are a couple of revenge games on the docket, if you're into that sort of thing. The Knicks, who lost to the Cavaliers by 21 at home, that was the game that sort of turned everybody and said, wow, the Knicks are really horrible. And then they just continued to be pretty damn awful. But they'll be hosting the Cavaliers again this evening. That is a revenge game the time of recording this podcast, we don't have a line yet, but I would venture to guess that it'll be pretty close to a pick Cavaliers probably a couple-point neutral site favorite. Indiana and Brooklyn is the other one. That's a rematch. Boy, the Pacers, man, they're just playing the same two or three teams over and over again their first 15 games this year. They played the Pistons three times already. They beat the Nets in Brooklyn by 10 back on the 30th of October, so this is actually a revenge game for Brooklyn this time around. And similarly, we don't have a line on that one at the time of recording this podcast the night before. But I'll be looking to try to get on the Nets side. So Knicks and Nets looking to get in on the New York teams. (laughs) Makes you shudder just thinking about it, doesn't it? Yikes. And there is one more, sad as I am to say it, the Chicago Bulls, this god-awful team that just can't hang in there with anybody. Uh, they lost at Milwaukee just four days ago, 124 to 115. They're only catching seven points at home, which makes you nervous, but there's a method to the madness. And so, Chicago, home dogs, that's sort of the story in this one. They are another revenge game, they are one that makes you nauseous as you try to figure out how you could possibly put a couple dollars on that team. And then you just sometimes have to close your eyes and do the tough one. Sometimes the hardest bets to make are the ones that actually work out the best. We shall see. In my mind, for some reason, I thought Minnesota and Utah had played one another already, but uh, they had not. That is, that's not a revenge game, but they actually play each other today and Wednesday. I guess maybe. I'd like to give myself half credit. That's what I was thinking of, but no, that one's actually one we'll be looking at. On Wednesday, depending on how this one goes. So uh, plenty of stuff on the betting side. Lots going on here. We're starting to get into the thick of things, man. Mid-November, this is sort of when that first page turns. We talked about it. You're into a lull on the fantasy side. And a lot of 9th, 10th, 11th type guys to fill out your roster. But this is when you really start to make some cash over on the betting side. The dog days. We are close. Coming up the rest of the week here on Fantasy NBA Today, we'll obviously keep yelling at you to join the uh, HoopBall bruise letter mailing list, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. We'll probably keep bugging you to join the premium membership, hoop-ball.com, click on the premium tab. We will be talking to HoopBall's new daytime editor, Pedro Doreste, on tomorrow's show. We actually recorded that on Friday, so a couple of things we talked about are not perfectly evergreen, but it's really a look at a lot of unsustainable or sustainable statistics with guys, things that you might see regress towards the mean, how you can use that to maybe craft a trade, or do you want to just cash in? Do you want to ride it out? Uh, It's a really cool discussion. We went about 35 minutes. We thought we were going 20, and it was just so good we kept going. So that'll be on tomorrow's show. We'll talk to Brandon on Wednesday with our weekly buy low, sell high discussion. Uh, I think we're going to be talking to Coach at some point this week, get a little info on the DFS The Daily Fantasy Broskies cutting into our world a little bit here. Uh, And obviously, we'll just keep chugging along, finding values, kicking asses, taking names. I am Dan Baspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Please do rate and review the podcast. I can't believe I didn't yell at you about that yet. Thank you, by the way, to all the people that have done so. We're up over 330 reviews now on the show. I am touched, but not in a gross way. I am touched in a way that just, I'm I'm so thrilled. So please keep doing it. Every time you do, we move just a little bit farther up the charts. More people find us, more people subscribe to us. Don't worry, they're not in your leagues. You still have the edge. But let people know, maybe you can get one of your friends that doesn't play fantasy to go subscribe to the pod if they've got data, whatever. Maybe they can just download it on the Wi-Fi and maybe they can then listen and write and review. Just keep helping us spread the word. Whatever it takes, We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep blowing up as much as we can, and we'll keep the discussion going over on the Twitter, at Dan Baspers. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great Monday. So long.